You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 270 of So You Want To Be A Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Fresh off the plane? Not jet lagged? No, I'm not jet lagged at all because the time difference is actually very similar to Sydney. I was in Honolulu and um, it's just three hours difference but a whole day as well. So when I flew back, it was like I missed an entire day of life. Yeah. But I'm not jet lagged at all. I guess it's like being in Auckland or somewhere, you know, yeah. compared to Sydney. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, just back into the swing of things and it's great. Good to be chatting to you again. Fantastic. I'm going to ask you more about it, but just like before we start, we've got a fantastic show all yes. about how to take amazing smartphone images. So uh, we'll awesome. get into that in a sec, but I just got to ask you a couple of more questions. So did you swim, Val? Because I'm picturing you in your bikini, babe. Did you bring the <laughs> crochet bikini No, I number? did not bring a crochet bikini. Okay, I so... A very, you know, respectable, elegant cosy or bathers or... Um, togs or whatever yeah. it is that you call them in your part of the world. Yeah. And yes, I did swim at Waikiki yeah. Yeah. because it's so lovely and, you know, rolling surf, gentle rolling surf. It's beautiful. You can just flop around all day. Yeah. So so surfing every day, you're out there because I could picture you there with the boogie board, um, you know, or was it surfboard sort of hanging five and doing all those little tricks and, and you know, darting in and out around people or, you know, I could – you, can you still do that thing where you do the handstand on the surfboard? Do you still do that? No, and I never could. Right. So it, it's not that kind of surf at Waikiki. It's just little, it's isn't very, it? Very, very gentle. It, yeah. It's, it's like baby surf. It's like, unlike when you go to the beach near my house, it's exhausting because you just, you know, the waves are massive in comparison. And I so. saw your shots and I think like I saw, I think I saw a couple of your sunsets and I'm thinking they're good, Val, but I think that <laughs> after today's episode, okay. the next time you, oh, they're going to be amazing because we got right. some uh, uh, great tips. But we'll, I think we'll start with uh, an iTunes review. Do you want to read yes. that out for us? Yes. All right. We want to give a big shout out to Photogra Driver. Mm. That's a new one. Photogra Driver mm. from Australia who has left us a five-star review on iTunes and um, has said, as a shift worker, I probably listen to more podcasts than 95% of people, but have never been inspired enough to write a review until now. (laughs) This podcast has had a profound impact on me and helped foster a growing confidence in my creative skills. Thank you, ladies, for helping to ignite a spark that was struggling to be. The champagne episodes had me <laughs> laughing to the point of tears. <laughs> For many years, I have described myself 
as just a truck driver, but from now on, I'm a photographer who drives a bit. Thanks from Paul. I love Ooh, that's that. That's awesome. Paul, that's so awesome. And I like a photographer driver. That's great. That's, that's you should very, connect the... with um, Danette Zak, who's also a, a truck driver. And Lise. Uh, yeah. We've got actual, there are many, many drivers who listen yes. to this podcast while they're Tr- out driving trucks. around. Yeah, yes. trucks and courier drivers mm. and uh, all sorts of, uh, yeah, so there's quite a community. So Thank yeah, you thank so you. much, Paul, for taking the time to leave that review on iTunes. It's really meaningful to us, believe it or not, and we just so appreciate that this is your first review. And um, yeah, really, thank you, Paul, for, for yes. listening and for taking the time to do that. And of course, if anyone else has 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful or, you know, on Apple Podcasts as it's called now. Um, Yeah, we'd be grateful because it helps us in the rankings. Now, what else have you been up to, Gina? So um, I have. I am preparing for the uh, Gold Community Ask Me Anything. So that's going to be fantastic. I've also just uh, created a number of tutorials, including one that just dropped today, I think, which which is uh, just how to get beautiful daylight even in kaka lighting, a very Love simple it. technique. And I've got a, another one coming out shortly, which is uh, following me around on shooting a very large group of people. And just, I really wanted to show just how much work goes into uh, corralling that whole group together and mm. getting everyone uh, looking just right. So uh, not only do I share the, the all the lighting that I do, but the, more importantly is the posing and directing because a lot of work gets goes into that, particularly when you've got a large group. So you'll hear all the dialogue and all the um, uh, you know hacks that I use to get keep everyone under control and uh, get the Get the best shot possible so big shout out to all the new members of the gold community as well val and of course if you want to find out a little bit more about the gold community and how you can work directly with gina have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community if you want to take your photography to the next level i'd like to invite you to join my gold community I love mentoring members and many achieve so much more than they think is possible. Here's what Frank Romano had to say. When I called you and and you were gracious enough to to humour me and something magical happened that night and, uh, you know, uh, when you just showed me two or three things, my mind just went boom and I just said, yeah, this is is it, away we go. And um, the flame's been uh, roaring ever since. You know, I get up at six, uh, you know, six six thirty every day, and I would spend at least half an hour to an hour every day uh, learning uh, some mm. some skill, either a technical skill, a creative skill, uh, online listening to, uh, or you know, going through your uh, your tutorials. I've been through your tutorials many many times, again mm. and again and again. Um, so, so. 
it's it's, it's really a, uh, identifying, you know, and I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, aren't clear, well, you know, why, why are you actually doing this? What's your intention? And they're not totally focused and committed on that. But if you're totally focused and passionate about achieving that intention, then you'll focus your attention on those areas and, and you'll, you'll uh, achieve or you'll go looking for the skills. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to genomilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic, which is how to take amazing images on your smartphone with our guest, Emils Pakaklis. Awesome. So tell us a bit about Emils. Gina? Yeah, so Emil is uh, a, a self-taught iPhone photographer and instructor, and he runs the hugely successful iPhone photography school. And um, he, in this interview, shares a ton of information about how to get better images with your smartphone. Now, uh, this is a podcast about photography, but often the best camera is the one that you're carrying around with you. And like I am a big fan of shooting on DSLR and shooting mirrorless, but there are times when it's just super handy to be able to just whip out the iPhone and take a quick shot. You know, you might be uh, stuck in traffic and you see something amazing or you're uh, walking around and you want to take a shot and, and, and like these uh, smartphones now can take amazing images. The other thing I love about working with smartphones is they're a great way to learn composition uh, in photography and just to take away all the distractions of the technical and just teach you how to frame up and get your confidence in framing up an image and really sort of developing a style. And then you can be shooting all day long without sort of having the hassle of carrying this camera around. And then once your confidence is up, then you can um, move on to uh, using the DSLR or mirrorless camera or use it, use them together. So there's no reason why, because you You've got the beautiful wide lens on the smartphones that you can't be working uh, with both cameras at once. So sometimes you've got the the long lens um, on the, the DSLR and suddenly you see something out of the side of your eye and you want to capture that or you want to capture the behind the scenes or like you, Val, you want to capture that beautiful sunset. Mm. Well, in this episode, you're going to find out, you know, how to do that and all the little tips and tricks and techniques to really take your iPhone photography to the next level. And there's so many things that, you know, you can control the focus and and uh, the exposure and uh, how to use burst mode and all the little workarounds for the shite flash. They haven't fixed <laughs> that in the uh, smartphones, but we we discuss a lot of great uh, workarounds in all of that. So in, and best editing apps. So let's have a listen. Emil Pakaklis, welcome to the show. How are you going? Hey, well, thanks for having me. Did I say your name right, or have I uh, butchered it again with my strong Australian accent? It was it was pretty good. Uh, it's it's a difficult <laughs> name to pronounce, and, and I think you did well. <laughs> Thank you. It's a great name. Before we start, where in the world are you? I'm actually in my closet back in Latvia, <laughs> and the reason I'm sitting in the closet is because it's the quietest uh, room in, in the house, and my daughter is just nearby, and, and I wanted to make sure we don't get too much background audio, so I'm literally sitting in a tiny closet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first. Um, how old's your daughter? 
Uh, she's one year and nine months old now. Wow, that's a great age. Yeah, so I can understand why you're hiding in the, <laughs> in the closet. And uh, in, in, in Latvia, right? Yes, that's right. It's a, such a beautiful country. It really is. And I've, I, I, um, I want to go. <laughs> I really do. It looks amazing. And I've seen in a lot of your uh, videos for the iPhone Photography School and your iPhone Academy, always amazing backdrops. And it's like, no wonder you live in such a fantastic <laughs> place. Yeah, well, thank you. It's, it is a great place. Uh, we don't have mountains, but we have a lot of nature. Uh, we have so many unique beaches and they're not crowded. It, it's a great place. It's just cold most of the year. So in summer, what, what, what's the uh, high get to? Um, uh, about 30 Celsius is a great day. Uh, yeah. The average day would be closer to 20. Right. Uh, so, so the summers are good, but, but now in the fall, it's, it's literally raining every day and we don't really get almost any sun. Oh, right. That's the downside of living somewhere so beautiful. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so your um, iPhone Academy and your iPhone School, fantastic um, resource for learning to take uh, images, not only on your iPhone, but also on a smartphone. I can remember back when I got into Instagram around, um, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, Instagram was the place where we posted our iPhone images and proudly there was a real community of um, smartphone users who, who that's where they shared their photos and now it's kind of changed and I would never dream of sharing an image that was shot on my DSLR on Instagram because Instagram was for sharing um, iPhone and smartphone images. Do you remember that time as well? It was really exciting. And, and and the first the first couple of years of Instagram were uh... – in a way, they were the best the best years because of what you just described. So it was indeed a mobile photography community. At first, it was only iPhone, yeah. and there were only square images, and yeah. that seemed like a big limitation, but I actually kind of liked it because uh, it, it forced me to shoot in squares a lot, and it's, yeah. it's a very interesting uh, format for composition that probably people wouldn't have used so much if it wasn't for Instagram back then. Uh, and and it was it was a great time because there was the sense of community. But it today, uh, in, yeah, it's, it's just like a, another big Facebook, and, and and that's what it is. So even though it's much bigger, much more popular, there are more features today. Uh, that sense of community isn't quite mm. there, I think. It's changed. It's turned into a, a giant marketplace, and then you know everyone's selling everything from tea to like all sorts of things. So it's it's lost that that innocence of those early days. Uh, but in those early days, you know the iPhone three and four and five, that it was such a basic tool. But it was so good for teaching you to get away from using the crutch of having a, you know, a, a zoom lens or a fast shutter speeds. And it just taught you to focus on the moment and the simplicity of the shot. Uh, so th that's why I love using my iPhone for that sort of thing. Um, so what, what, do you, what are some of the biggest advantages of using the smartphone today over, say, the DSLR or a mirrorless camera? Well, actually, it's a very interesting time because just recently uh, the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro came out. And for, for a long time, it was, you know, the biggest advantage was just size and convenience, essentially. But now we're actually just entering a time when the iPhone starts beating uh, DSLRs and mirrorless cameras in uh, in some pretty surprising ways. And, and I'll get to those. But, but yeah, well, the first biggest advantage is obviously 
the size and convenience uh, with, with a big camera, you know, you, you probably need a camera bag, probably some lenses and other accessories. And, and it's just, uh, it's just, it's a technical challenge. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And, uh, you know, it's, well, number one, just bringing the stuff with you. And a lot of our customers say that, you know, they have their big DSLR, but it's just never there when they need it the most. It's usually somewhere at home yeah. or they don't, don't feel like taking it with them that day. And, and in photography, I think, um, I think the best photo opportunities often happen when you don't really expect them. Mm. You know, you could be just out for a walk with your family and maybe there's this fantastic light that just comes out after, I don't know, a rainstorm, for example. Mm. And that, that, that would probably only last for maybe five, 10 minutes. And if you don't have that big DSLR, well, well, you just shoot with the camera you have. And for most people, that's the iPhone or the smartphone that they always have with them. Yeah. And so, so that would be the biggest, uh, the first and the biggest advantage. Uh, then there's, um, there's the simplicity and, you know, while it has its limitations, the, the iPhone is, uh, is, is just a great tool to, to help you focus on what really matters in photography. So, uh, it was a big camera, like there are a lot of settings and, uh, it's just, you know, a lot of time and effort and attention goes into getting the shutter speed, the aperture, the ISO right, and, you know, putting the correct lens on. And all of that inevitably takes attention away from the things that really matter the most, which are essentially light and composition. Mm. So if, if there if there are two, if there is a secret to taking great photos, it's it's light and composition. Yeah. And and in some other genres, also just the moment or the story that's in, in the photo it depends on what you're capturing. But ultimately, what's in the photo in terms of light, composition, and actually what you're capturing, those things matter far more than the gear you use. And uh, with the iPhone, while you don't have as much control over all the different technical aspects of how the picture is taken, uh, this this can actually be a good thing because it really allows you to focus on what matters. And and this often just just leads to better photos because of it. And, and finally, uh, as I mentioned for uh, just recently, uh, the iPhone is actually starting to beat the bigger cameras in some very surprising ways. So we just returned from a three-week trip to uh, the Dolomites in Italy, and we were recording a brand new course called iPhone Landscape Mastery. So I literally just came back uh, on Saturday. So lucky you! Been, <laughs> what a fan yeah, it, It's been a hectic time. <laughs> yeah, it, it was amazing. It was like such an amazing adventure. Oh. And, we got su such great content, but we were just working like early morning to late evening every yeah. day for three weeks straight. So like still trying to recover from that. But what we, what we saw over and over again was, was something very interesting. So, so we had a professional video crew and they were shooting with uh, Sony Alpha 7 threes. So right. those are some of the best, some of the best mirrorless cameras, I think uh, they cost about $2,000. And it was very clear to us that the two places where the iPhone uh, 11 Pro was better was dynamic range and low light performance. And and this is just like, it's almost hard to hard to believe that, but essentially what, what, what the engineers that were doing is, uh, you know, they have these physical limitations they got to work with. They have the small sensor, the small form factor of, of the phone, you know, the small lenses. And, and those are disadvantages compared to what a big camera can have. Mm. But uh, as, as the flip side to that, there's more processing power in the iPhone than in any other camera. And there are hundreds and hundreds of extremely smart engineers who are just constantly trying to innovate on how the camera processes the images uh, digitally. So uh, when you take a picture with the iPhone, uh, even though you like 
to you, it looks like you take a picture. What's really happening in the background is that uh, the, the phone is always capturing a large number of pictures, blending them together intelligently, you know, bracketing exposures, just literally mixing together different pictures to get a sharper, more detailed image. And this all happens in a split second, so you yeah. never even see it. Uh, but this this allows uh, Apple and, and other smartphones as well to overcome a lot of the technical limitations of, of the small sensors and small lenses, and it's very exciting. So uh, the dynamic range on the new iPhones is definitely far better than it was on the Sony Alphas, and, and surprisingly, with the new night mode on the iPhone, it is actually possible to take pretty good images when it's essentially completely dark. So. We're talking about situations when the big camera literally like cannot take a picture, but on the iPhone, it just records it for like nine seconds, sometimes 15 seconds even, and you get a beautiful picture in essentially complete darkness. Wow. And that is, that is just mind-blowing, and it's, it's far better than what you can get in low light with a big camera, which, which still blows my mind because up until very recently, low light and dynamic range were the two things where the iPhone was yeah. clearly worse. And now it's actually better in both of these aspects, which is quite mind-blowing to me. That's amazing. So that's the 11. Yeah, because I can remember the early years of the smartphone. They were just so grainy and at night, forget it. But like, you know, and I know you'll give us some good tips for night photography uh, in this interview, but it's, it's, it's just changed so much. And I, I agree with you 100% about having that having that camera that's with you uh you know 24 7 is going to make you a better photographer and it's like i believe there's um you know obviously as professional photographers we do need to be using our dslr or mirrorless uh for sports and weddings and portraits and all of that but to um i love you know traveling with my uh, smartphone and having it with me for composition and just to be able to you know get it out discreetly without anyone knowing that i'm taking photos or just to capture those photos on the hop and it also keeps your mind uh, fresh because you're constantly looking for images and it, I think it trains you up to be a better photographer. Even as a beginner, you're constantly searching for that image simplified without all the buttons and dials. So yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Yeah, definitely. And and the mobility you can get with the iPhone is, is, is also a big factor here. So if you're shooting on a tripod, what typically will happen is that you kind of get locked into one one place, one angle, and it's just kind of a hassle to move around. Mm. Whereas with, with the iPhone, it's just so much easier to, to see what happens if you go higher, what happens if you go lower, to take a few steps to the right, to the left. And and those little adjustments in, in the angle you shoot from, uh, they, they might not seem that important, but when you look at the final image, that's what makes or breaks the composition. So with a mobile tool like that, it's just so much easier to get that composition exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, another thing that's critical here is just the ability to be taking photos literally in a second. So you can pull it out of your, you can pull the phone out of your pocket and you can either uh, tap and hold the camera button that's literally on the lock screen, yeah. or you can or you can just swipe, uh, and now I'm getting confused, I wish I had my iPhone. It's either swipe from the button or I from the right. I swi- think it's swipe from the top, um, well mine is uh, swipe down from the top right. Uh, to get to access really? the phone quickly, yeah, that's what mine is. Mine's a ten, the the ten XR. So I'm I'm one model down. I didn't get the latest one. Swiping down, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had so it top, on me. So top, top right yeah. and swipe down and then I've got my um, home screen and I can, you know, uh, actually, but no, that's not. it's not even from the home no, screen. No, you no, can no, literally, sk- literally skip everything. Uh, try, try swiping from bottom hang to I've top got, or I've got from a, right to left. I've got a, it's got a lock again. Hang on. So the trick is to open the camera before. Uh, yeah, you before just open you from the bottom. Yeah, code. yeah, yeah, from the bottom. So yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, Someone will yeah. correct us on that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed. But the reason but... I'm getting confused here is because they, they changed this about a year ago, yeah. and uh, I've thought it both ways. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and and for you it'd be it it be, it does become an extension when you're using and and this is the thing about like constantly working with a tool every day all the time so it should become um something that happens like muscle memory like a like a an elite athlete who shoots at goal every night in practice they're not thinking about I'm letting the ball go now and I'm aiming at the goal and I want to get a, a goal with the ball. They're not thinking about that. It's all muscle memory. And so I, I know the great uh, smartphone photographers and all great photographers, that 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 camera, whatever one they're using, is just like uh, an extension of their hand. So they're doing it intuitively. So, so I understand you then saying, hang on, I have to think about where it's coming from because it's like you're doing it intuitively most of the time. You're not even thinking know, about I, it. Yeah. I, I never have a problem finding no. it. So no, no, you, you, would be, you would be yeah. in a flood. I doubt you would miss um, any shots at all. So um, on that, so we've got all these fantastic advantages of having this tiny, powerful unit uh, in our pocket, but, but like – when someone is using a smartphone, and you, I know, like, the, what's your um, Instagram page? It's the, the, it's you've got underscores in it. Unfortunately, it's the iPhone underscore photography. Uh, it is uh, iPhone photography school, but there are underscores between yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll between the words. A, we'll so put a link iPhone. in the show notes. We'll put a link in the show notes to that. But in that, you've got. Um, so many amazing, jaw-dropping, beautiful images in there from uh, photographers from all over the world. So, um, what? I've got two questions for you. Is it firstly, what are some of the common mistakes you see uh, in new photographers, uh, or like even people who've been using their phones for ages that that they make? And then, what do the best? smartphone photographers have in common what are some of the techniques that they use okay so about mistakes uh i think i think the biggest mistakes usually happen in editing and there are essentially two ways this can go wrong so yeah. one is not editing at all yeah uh, and and i think that's a mistake because uh to me uh i think a picture uh like it's it's not com- it's not absolutely complete before you do those final tweaks in editing, uh, and those few minutes you invest in editing can be the difference between a good or a very good image and an excellent one. And uh, and, and I think it's critical that people understand this that whenever they're looking at photos from the you know best photographers, best iPhone photographers, or images in magazines on on websites or anywhere else, they're they're always retouched images. And the trick is to do this well because uh, editing can be done. Well, or it can be done poorly. And uh, for for most photography genres, a good way to think about it is as makeup. So ideally, you can't really see the makeup unless you take it away, and that's how a good edit should be. So one mistake oh, is not editing. I love that and... analogy. That's fantastic. I'm going to use that. It's just <laughs> like because you don't want to have uh, the makeup that looks obvious, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. But but it should definitely make the the image look better and. 
And the opposite mistake then is putting on too much makeup. And, <laughs> and this, unfortunately, I see a lot. And especially on smartphones, uh, the editing is uh, so quick and so easy. And, and the tools are very powerful. Uh, and there's so many apps. Uh, there's just so much you can do. And, and it can be tempting to just go all in, you know, to make a crazy HDR-like image that's not yeah. actually HDR, but just an HDR slider and to just increase that or to oversaturate or, or you know, to apply a crazy painting effect on an image that doesn't really get better when you do that. And, and I see this all the time. And, and in my courses, I, I really try to teach people the right way to edit photos, which is to essentially enhance what's already beautiful about the image in a way that's subtle so that you wouldn't really be sure if the image was edited unless you compared them side by side. Mm. So that's how it should be done. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of times people go way too far. And and I think a big part of this is just the tiny uh, screens uh, of, of the smartphones. So from my experience, the bigger the screen is, the subtler the edits. Whereas on right. a small screen, it seems like, okay, I don't really see a difference, so let me go all the way in. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and that's just... Uh, that's just a common trap to be aware of. And so when I'm editing, uh, and this is also what I teach to my students, I, I always, you know, when I'm done with the edit, I'll always zoom in on the photo to see if I haven't introduced too much grain yeah. or if I haven't introduced some bending in the sky, for example. So I want to be very careful about not degrading the quality of the image and also want to make sure that the edits still look uh, natural in the end. Uh, so to me, not editing or over-editing would be the biggest mistakes. That's a good tip. That's a good tip. And what about um, what do the the best smartphone photographers? What what are some of the traits that they all share? Uh, yeah, well, it's it's uh, it's just the basics to me. It's uh, composition, light, and story, and and those are th th that's true for all photographers, not just smartphone photographers. Mm. But but getting these things right is far more important than which camera you use which iPhone model it is, you know, which camera app it is, or, or any of that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just the, the essentials of good photography are light, composition, and, and story. And, and if you can get those right, uh, that's the best thing you can do. And again, the iPhone, because it takes your attention away from the technical stuff, mm. it allows you to direct more thought and effort towards getting light, composition, and story right. And, uh, you know, we were just in the Italian Dolomites, and... And, you know, for landscapes, that light is everything uh, because, like, there are all these incredible world-class views, like some of the most beautiful places in the world. Uh, and we typically arrive in, in those places right around midday. And we'd, you know, we'd know that midday light isn't going to be the best. But w what would typically happen is that we get out our phones and it's like, well, this looks like a great view to the human eye. But when you point a camera to it, it's just like, meh, you know, yeah. an average photo, essentially. But then when that golden hour comes around or, you know, when the sunset is approaching, those same views, they just they just come to life. You know, yeah. you start seeing like you start getting this directional light. Everything gets this beautiful golden hue and, you know, certain mountains go into shadow. Some other mountains are, uh, are lit up in bright tones and and all of that just makes for so much better photos. So light is definitely such a key aspect of photography. And, you know. I'd like to say that you can take great photos at any time of the day, and it is kind of true, but if you're there at the right time of the day, it's just going to be so much better. Uh, so just being there when the light is right, when the conditions are right, is, is, is a big part of success in photography. And usually those moments don't last very long, and you know the best light 
for a sunset could only last for 10, 15 minutes. And it's important that, that you get as much as you can out of those short moments. And and when they happen, then, then you better be shooting. <laughs> yeah, but when you're shooting day in, day out, because you've got this uh, phone in your pocket, then you're going to start to recognize the patterns of, hang on a minute, you know, I know that midday, not so great, but if I'm here at 5 a.m., you know, as you're walking to the station to get your train to work, you know, you can t- be taking photos as you go and just see the difference in light. So it's, again, it's that, the learning by doing, I think, is great. So for the people who just think that they have to get out there, you know, their big DSLR or their big um, mirrorless, I think, you know, choosing the, the smartphone, again, to just hone those skills and then you can go back with the, the, the whole professional setup and get the shot again if you want once you've uh, scoped it out using the, um, the smartphone. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree. The phone is great for just learning what, what works and what doesn't, mm. even though I, I don't think you actually need to go back with the big, uh, the big <laughs> camera unless you really want to. Uh, but, but, yeah, actually, for a beginner, uh, it might be a good idea to, you know, if you, if you, have, a, if you have a morning commute, let's say, or if, yeah. if there's just a, a park near your house where you often go to, to try to take photos in, in that same location uh, at various times of the day and various times of the year, and and it's not gonna be the same all the time, uh, and 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 that's the interesting thing. And and over time, as as you just you know acquire this uh, more and more practice, and after you've tried more and more things, you'll start to recognize what works and what doesn't. Uh, but but yeah, that that light and those conditions is everything. And the light changes not just you know over the course of the day, but it also changes over the course of the year. Yeah. So for us in in, in the northern hemisphere now it's winter and. Uh, that is actually in many ways a good thing because in winter, uh, especially the further north you go, the lower the sun stays yeah. in the sky, and that essentially means that if if you're at a high at a high latitude like I am here in Latvia, that essentially means that if the sun does come out, which doesn't happen on most days, but if it does come out, it's going to be golden hour for the entire day in winter. Oh, really? That's amazing. And then you get yeah, those long, beautiful so shadows as well, don't you? You know, you yeah, get the, long, uh, yeah. Beautiful shadows, directional light, and it's it's just like it just works so much better. Whereas if you're clo- closer to the equator, then well, then you then you just have to work with uh, how the light changes over the course of the day. Uh, but 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 all of these things, I, I guess the best way to learn them is to just see what works and what doesn't. And yeah. you know, taking photos in you know in just your surroundings or in the places where you normally end up going for whatever other reason. You know, you have the iPhone with you anyway, so exactly. why not? You know grab a photo and as you do this over an extended period of time you'll start to recognize what works and what doesn't and after you get some training as a photographer and some experience it'll get to a point where you'll just notice oh my god look at that light and and you'll you'll get your phone out and it will just work whereas everyone else won't even know what you're talking about exactly you'll see this light is working photos and if you can develop that instinct it's going to make you so much better as a photographer and I think like even if you – like everyone is time poor and I know people are r- rushing to work, dropping kids off at school, you've got to go do all these things. But if you are that person that's taking that 5 a.m. train or bus to work in the morning and the 
where you're waiting for the bus, that that five minute wait every morning, take a photo of the exact same space. It might be a a street sign or a tree on the corner, but every day, 5 a.m., take the same photo. And that in itself, I think, is a beautiful uh, photo essay over the course of a year because you could see the the tree might lose its leaves and um, it might be uh, like some mornings it would be uh, have have street lights, other mornings the sun would be on it, it could be snow on the ground. It, I think it would be a beautiful essay to do um, something like that with the phone. Yeah, I think it's a great exercise, uh, but I wouldn't limit myself just to one exact shot, but just like the same area, you know, yeah. the sa- same commute or the same park. I, I, yeah. think, I think that's enough. And, and you know, uh, like it, it's kind of uh, easy to fall into the trap of thinking that to take great photos, you got to go to all these fantastic places. And, and it does help. Like, I'm not going to lie. We just went to, to the Ital- Italian Alps just for that reason to record <laughs> yeah. a course. But then again, if uh, the like the key to becoming a really great photographer is to learn to find and recognize beauty in the ordinary. Yeah. And it's definitely possible. It's it's not always easy, but it's definitely possible. And actually uh, just shooting in a relatively limited area around your home or along your morning commute, uh, while it is restricting, it will eventually force you to become a better photographer simply because you'll start to recognize things that other people would miss. And when I say recognize things that other people would miss, uh, I'm talking about, again, light, composition, or sometimes just, you know, honing in on really small details. Like, and, and again, with the smartphone, you can do some really interesting close-up or even macro photography without even putting on a macro lens. Yeah. So on the iPhone, I'd simply select the 2X lens, get close, and, and you can really get very, very close to, to things that are so tiny that you'd probably not even see them otherwise. And uh, it's just another great way to train your skills as a photographer because it's like to me the best photography is about showing the world to people like they normally wouldn't see it and if you can do that uh, I, I think that that's that's a great creative exercise and just great photography in general exactly great tips um all right the uh night photography using a smartphone is not always easy to do but i know you've got some great tips on that so what what um what are your suggestions for getting better night shots so say you're out and about in the city you've got buildings that are lit up but it's dark how, how do you get decent shots at night Okay, so so here I guess I'd have to give two different sets of advice because it's very different for iPhone 11 and 11, 11 Pro and for all the other iPhones I've tried. Yeah. But essentially for, for all of them, uh, the first rule is to try to keep the iPhone as steady as you can. So yeah. uh, because at night uh, what's, what's going to happen is that the iPhone will automatically select a longer shutter speed. And if the iPhone moves at all while that shutter is open, uh, that movement is going to result in a blurry photo. Uh, and so so the ways to combat that are, well, first, to try to hold it steady, and you could tr- try to tuck your elbows in or support the iPhone against something like your knee or a fence or, or a tree or anything, or just put it on a tripod. And uh, besides that, just taking multiple photos helps a lot because, you know, if you take five photos, some of them are going to be sharper, others are going to be uh, more blurred. So you want to just give yourself more options uh, to get the right shot. Then also uh, at nighttime, what, what tends to help a lot is uh, exposing for the highlights. Uh, so what I mean by exposing for the highlights is that, you know, if, if you're taking a city photo, for example, at night, and there's some parts of the scene that are much brighter than the other ones, then I'll typically tap my finger on those brightest parts of the image 
and that will set both focus and exposure on those brightest parts or the highlights. And as a whole, the image will get darker when you do that, but uh, it will result in a more uh, aesthetically pleasing image where what's actually black to your eye uh, in the scene will also be black in the final image. Right. And those highlights, they won't be blown out, so they won't be too bright. Uh, and, and as you're doing this, you're also getting a slightly sharper, uh, less grainy picture. Now that's with all the old iPhones. With the new one, uh, what's, what works is the night mode. And, and this comes on automatically. And with night mode, again, uh, you want to keep your iPhone as steady as possible. Uh, the less you move it, the better. And uh, also on the iPhone, uh, there's a slider for the night mode where it allows you to select the the time of the night mode shot. So essentially, it's what be like how long is it going to take the iPhone uh, to composite the final night image, and you want to select the biggest value you can. Uh, so there's going to be a the max setting, and that max setting actually uh, depends on two things. It depends on how light or dark it is, and it also depends on uh, how steady the iPhone is. So Apple actually uh, has somehow built motion detection into the iPhone camera. So if you put it on a tripod all of a sudden you'll get a much uh, longer max uh, time setting for, for the night mode. And it if you knows can, it's stable. It's, it's got it like knows, a, an image stabilizer or some, something to sense that? Yeah, so, so it literally, like if you put it on a tripod, it'll never say it explicitly, but it knows it's on a tripod. <laughs> and then that maximum value you can choose for uh, the capture time is, is it's just gonna increase. So you can use a longer capture time. and. For this, for the night mode, you just want to pick the longest you can, and during that capture, you want to keep the phone as steady as you can. Handheld works, but shooting on a tripod works better. And the surprising thing about the night mode is that, especially if you're on a tripod, you can literally take good photos in what is essentially complete darkness. It's it's something that's kind of hard to describe just yeah. in words. You got to try it if you have if you have the chance. It's it it's really amazing. quite unexpected how well it performs. That's amazing. Wow. So, all right. So the night photography is getting better if you've got the 11 and, and onwards. All right. So just keep it steady. Find something to balance the camera, uh, the smartphone on like a post or a you brace, brace your arms and then you're exposing for the highlights. So that's just by when you've got the screen up, you're tapping on the brightest part and that will yep. um, expose for the, the brightest point. And then you can actually drag your finger down and underexpose slightly. And, and is it the, when you underexpose an image with the smartphone, it's going to lower the ISO. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Right. So already okay. ISO and potentially make the shutter speed shorter as well. Right. And both of these will result in, in a better photo. Sharper but you image. just don't want to you don't want to overdo this obviously, because if you go too low, then you're gonna just lose too much detail and the image will be too dark. So I recommend exposing for the highlights, but yeah, like don't want to make the image completely dark essentially. All right, so I want to talk about a couple of things I think that are the, probably the biggest game changers for everyone using a smartphone, and that is you can actually um, lock your uh, focus point and you can move that around as well just by where you tap on the screen. So you can tell the phone where you want to focus by tapping on that area, but the screen can, the focus point can also be locked. Is that right? Yeah. And how do you do right. that? So this is actually a very interesting topic. Uh, I'm glad you touched it. Uh, so, so indeed, uh, the technique you just described, uh, that's exactly how it works. So if you, on the iPhone, if you 
tap your finger anywhere on the screen, two things will automatically happen. It will set exposure for that point, mm. meaning that whatever is in the area where you tapped will be properly exposed. So if you'll tap on the sky, the image will typically get darker, or if you tap on the foreground, it'll typically get brighter. Mm. And the other thing that happens is that wherever you tap, the focus will be set to that area. So you want to, you know, so so you want to be careful that if you tap on something in the foreground, then the background will get blurred out. Uh, or if you tap on something in the background, the foreground might get blurred out. Yeah. But the thing is, you'll, you'll only see this if there's a very extreme uh, difference in distance between the, the foreground and the background. Mm. So let's say if your foreground is within, I don't know, within within one meter from the lens and the background is really far, then you might actually see this. But But for most shots, especially if it's a cityscape or a landscape, Generally speaking, everything will just be in focus, and uh, that's kind of funny. So, in in this landscape photography course, uh, we're recording this with uh, Clifford Pickett, who's a, just a, such a talented photographer, uh, and and we we sort of agreed that we'd be teaching techniques as they as the need to use them comes up, uh, and we recorded an entire course, and the need to actually adjust focus didn't come up once in an right. entire three-week course. Uh, so we ended up actually not not recording that simply because there was never the need uh, to change uh, how the iPhone sets focus automatically. Right. Uh, so it used to be more important in the past, but I think now just the autofocus on the iPhone is so good that it'll, it'll almost never be a problem. But if you still want to adjust it, then tapping is the way you do it. And what you can also do is you can tap and hold for two or three seconds. And as you do that, you'll get this AEAF lock text displayed at the top part of the screen. Yep. And uh, wh wh while you see that text, essentially both focus and exposure are locked. And this means that no matter what changes in the scene, you know, you can move the iPhone around or someone could walk through the frame or you can exactly. take a picture. Yeah. Uh, the focus and exposure are going to stay exactly the same. So this can actually be useful for, uh, let's say, street photography. So yeah. if you want to frame up a shot and if you're expecting that a person will walk through the frame, if you want to make sure that they're in focus and that they're well exposed, you can set uh, and lock focus and exposure on the area uh, that's roughly where the person is going to be, and then you just sit there and wait. And when that moment happens, you're already prepared and you know it's going to be in focus and well exposed. Uh, and if you want to adjust exposure, you simply swipe up or down the screen. But the the only trick is that you have to have either tapped or tapped and hold. You've got to lock the exposure up. first, and then you can adjust the. Yeah. yeah sorry, lock exactly. your focus. You can lock your focus, but then you can adjust the exposure independently of that, which is yeah. amazing. I actually didn't know you could do that. So that's it's like a game changer for for smartphone photography. I think it's a really neat trick. Yeah, especially it's, it's, for portraits because you can have someone to the side of frame that you can pose them there and there may be a lot of stuff going on or you want to, um, you know, drop the exposure in the background. Like there's there's all sorts of uh, things you can do when you control the, the focus and the exposure. So not just relying on the phone to do it all for you. Yeah, definitely. But I got to say, with each passing year, uh, there's less and less need to use that. <laughs> it just does so it for you. The, the, the phone will, like, like there's this, the engineers who are working on these phones are so smart, and there are hundreds of them. Yeah. So, uh, and then, like, with, with what's happening here in, in this technology space, uh, it is only a matter of time until the smartphones will be far better than the big cameras. And this might sound ridiculous, or listeners might not believe in this, but 
what's really happening is that the sales of big cameras are declining year after year. Yeah. So revenues for DSLRs and for mirrorless cameras are just going down every year. Yeah. And as a result, companies have no other choice than to essentially invest less in developing new ones. Uh, but the smartphones are, you know, they're some of the most sold things ever. And the revenues of companies like Apple are just insane. And to a large extent, what differentiates the latest phone from the previous one is usually the camera technology and because uh, you know people take so many photos with them and that's how they can try to convince people to essentially upgrade to a newer phone and and so the cameras and smartphones they're really advancing rapidly and again the benefits that the smartphones have as opposed to the big cameras is uh, they have some of the most powerful chips anywhere in the world are writing those phones and they can do advanced machine learning and they can do the kind of uh, computational uh, analysis and computational actions that a traditional camera will never be able to do simply because there's no processing power and uh, as I think as this trend continues it's only going to be a matter of time until the phones can be the big cameras in pretty much all areas. It's going to take maybe five ten years but but I'm sure it's going to happen mm. and we're already seeing that now because it used to be that, you know, if you don't know how to set the focus yourself, you're just going to get blurry photos. Yeah. Well, now we just recorded the three-week course and we never had to set focus ourselves. No, so the autofocus is amazing. Yeah, that that's a huge, yeah. that's been a huge game changer in photography, I think, that the uh, auto, the, I mean, and the AI across the board is just getting better and better and better which is all the more reason for um, photographers, if they want to be noticed and to get ahead, to actually learn and understand um, how to compose and expose and, uh, you know, take take photography to the next level. I think that's uh, so important. A um, couple of other tips uh, you've got for um, using uh, burst mode or live mode for photos. Uh, how does that improve, like, say, if you're trying to get an action shot, uh, so I think um, non-iPhone photo uh, cameras use uh, like a burst mode and the iPhone uses a live mode. So how do you use that to get great shots? Okay, so uh, burst mode is indeed one of my favorite techniques. And uh, But but the iPhone also, like it's all, there's also a burst mode on the iPhone. Right. And uh, the way it works is that you can essentially take a lot of photos very quickly, about 10 per second. And... Uh, this is useful if you have some unpredictable movement or, you, if, or if you want to catch that exact right moment. So in street photography, you know, if, I don't know, people are passing on the street and you want to get them in this perfect position, which is usually with, uh, with an open stride, so with the legs sort of apart as people are walking, uh, you know, it can, it can be just hard to catch that exact right moment. Or if you want to do a jumping shot and if you ask a yeah. friend to jump up, uh, it can be tricky to catch that exact right moment because it's yeah. only a split second. And the trick is to activate burst mode and essentially take a lot of photos and simply pick the best ones uh, later. And uh, so for iPhones up to iPhone 11, the way to activate burst mode was very simple. All you had to do was simply tap and hold on the shutter button and it would start taking photos very quickly. Mm. Uh, on 11 and 11 Pro, uh, it's just a tiny bit more difficult. So now you have to tap on the shutter button and you have to drag it, uh, drag it towards the... Uh, part of the screen where you have the preview of the photo you've just taken. So it's All a little right. bit counterintuitive. It's, mm. it's a little bit more difficult now. But essentially, you tap the shutter and you drag your finger while it's still touching the screen towards the little preview of the photos you've recently taken. As oh, you do okay. that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, so as you do that, the, the burst mode turns on and it very quickly takes a lot of photos. And uh, 
then you can go into, into the Photos app and you'll see this burst, and it will literally say burst, and it will look like a stack of photos, or it will simply say burst. You click on Select at the top of the screen, and then you can swipe through the photos you've just taken. Uh, you can mark the ones you want to keep with a blue check mark, and then you, you hit Done, and you simply choose to only keep the fa uh, keep your favorites. So even though you might take 50 photos in three or five seconds, you can only keep a handful of them and very quickly discard everything else. Oh, that's cool. So you don't have to, so you don't have to worry about filling up the iPhone too much. So that's a great way because of you know to, if you want to get someone jumping or action, that's a great way to get that shot. Or like um, photographing children or pets where Absolutely, they're moving around yeah. and wriggling. That's a great way to, to to make sure that you nail that shot. All right. Um, Should we talk uh, about live photos because you mentioned that as well. Yeah, so live photos, um, and there's, uh, I think, the latest app update you can do, um, you can get the silky smooth water, is that right? With the Absolutely, live photos, yeah. yeah. So uh, live photo is essentially, uh, it's it's a feature that the iPhone has, uh, and it, it looks like on the screen, it looks like, I think, three concentric circles. Mm. Uh, so that's what the icon looks like, and you can either turn that on or off uh, simply by tapping on that icon in the camera app. And... When it's on, what's going to happen is that the iPhone will save a three-second video right around the photo you took. So uh, before you even press the shutter, the iPhone is already recording a video. And then when you press the shutter, it will save 1.5 seconds before you press the shutter and 1.5 seconds after you press the shutter. And that just creates a little three-second movie, essentially, with sound and, and motion and everything. And uh, th this is cool for a couple of reasons. One is that... If you're taking photos, especially with people, for example, with family, kids, pets, um, what happens is that it's just kind of fun to play back that three-second video. You, you thought you were capturing a photo, but in fact you have this little video, and, and those just can be fun to watch themselves, especially if some unique moment or something funny is captured there, which often tends to happen. Yeah. But what you can also do with these is uh, you can uh, literally convert uh, that live photo into a long exposure photo. and the coolest thing about this is that you can actually do handheld long exposures with the iPhone. So with a big camera, you just have to put it on a tripod. There's no other way. If you're trying to, to hold it in your hands, it's just going to come out blurry. But the iPhone is smarter than that. So you can literally take a beautiful, uh, silky waterfall shot by simply holding your iPhone in your hands and taking this live photo. And, uh, of course, you still want to keep the iPhone as steady as you can. You'll probably get a slightly better result on a tripod, but if you just handhold the iPhone carefully, that's really all you need to do. Or, or lean and, on something if you can, like a like yeah. a, a fence or or a railing or something to 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 steady you up. But yeah, and then you get those beautiful long exposure images, which are yeah. next level for your you know iPhone photography. That they look amazing. And, and, and you can do this without a tripod, which mm. is amazing because you can't do it without a tripod and a big camera. So to get these images, uh, what you need to do is you need to remember that the video is also captured before you press the shutter. So what you really want to do is hold it steady for about two seconds, carefully press the shutter, and hold it steady for another two seconds. And that way you can ensure that the whole three-second bit is going to be uh, without unnecessary movement. Then you go into Photos app, you find that photo, and it's, it's going to be a live photo. Uh, it probably just says the word live there. Uh, and then you want to swipe that photo, swipe up on that photo. So from bottom to top, you swipe your finger, and then several options will come up on the screen. 
and the one on bottom right is called live. So you simply tap that, and you'll literally see that image transform. Uh, so whatever was moving will become this beautiful, smoothed out uh, motion in the image. And this works best if you have moving water. For example, this could be waterfalls, it could be yeah. rivers, it could be waves in the ocean, yeah. it could be just little wind ripples on on the surface, but all of these will be perfectly smoothed out. and. It's just something you have to try. It, it looks so for, great. Yeah, it's... it does. It looks great for landscape. You've actually got a really good video in your YouTube channel that, that runs through all of that. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll link that in the show notes if because it's uh, hard to follow. But it's And it's kind of tucked in. Like, I didn't realize it was there. And then, you know, I looked at your video and found it. And I'm like, all oh, right, that's a really good little hidden feature. So, so that's uh, very handy. Now, I want to touch on the... The iPhone smartphone, the Flash um, for portraits, I think it's shite. I think it's always <laughs> been rubbish. Never yeah. use it. But there are starting to creep in now. You can get external flashes for your phone, and there's also the LED lights are getting more and more powerful. Have you got – because I bought myself a Godox trigger that will, that will work my speed lights with my iPhone – right? And I've used it and tested it and, and it looks okay. I just need to spend a bit more time perfecting it. I saw you on one of your videos using a little uh, external flash that you recommended. Is there anything in the last couple of years that's come out that's worth experimenting with? Because I really want to be able to light my portraits off camera. Absolutely. So uh, you're right. Like the built-in flash, it's rubbish. It's not good. Let's, it's a good. Let's put, let's no, put it no, that way. no, no. It's very handy when you lose your keys. It's the <laughs> oh torch. yeah, I use it as a flashlight all the time. And, all the time. Uh, it's fantastic, but, but not for photos. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you could still use it for photos. For example, if you're in, like, let's say, a dark nightclub or that kind of setting. With the flash, you'll get a picture. It won't be lit well, but you'll yeah. get a picture. Without yeah. a flash, you won't get anything. Yeah. So, like, it is probably still better than no flash. But it's uh, the problem with a built-in flash like that is the fact that it's right next to the lens of the camera. So essentially, the source of the light is right next to the lens of the camera. And what this really means is that uh, whatever you illuminate, let's say, you know, the face of a portrait, that it will be illuminated in a very flat way yeah. so there will be no shadows or no no contour no no depth on on the face of your subject it will and just look really really flat and it's and cold that's... the light itself the flash it's cold and clinical so if you're in a like a nice restaurant where the light's really <laughs> warm and beautiful and then you p put that flash on and it's like this blue neutral cold light and it's flat and it's ugly <laughs> it's terrible. I've, I've had better success with with color temperature. I think I think it was the light, in the latest iPhones they actually adjust the color temperature. Is that temperature the eleven? The you can eleven. You can adjust it. No, it's it adjusts it automatically, but but it's still going to be flat light. It's still so the yuck. key to so the key to actually getting a beautiful portrait shot in in low light is to just move that flash off camera. Yeah. And. Uh, and you know there have been various cheap solutions around for for years, but they they haven't been that good to be honest with you. But just recently, something very powerful came out, and uh, so Clifford Pickett, who is, who teaches the landscape photography course, actually brought one of these uh, with him to the Dolomites. And essentially, it's made by a company called Pro Photo, uh, oh, and it's an off camera uh, it's an off camera flash unit uh, for the iPhone and. 
so for this one, you can actually control the color temperature and, and also just the strength of the flash. But, but key is, like the biggest key here is that it just gives this very uh, high quality, uh, even light at the correct color temperature that you can move off flash. So if you can literally just hold it in your hand up, you know, up in the, let's say, top right corner yeah. while shooting with your left hand, uh, that is going to create a fantastic, yeah. fantastic image. So I, I don't have this flash yet. It, it's actually somewhat expensive. I think it costs uh, uh, several hundred dollars. Yeah, but it is, could, it's pro it is photo. Yeah, there. of course. I'm sure yeah. someone will copy it <laughs> soon enough. Um, I'm sure the, they will. But yeah, but yeah but the, the, this, this would be good. This is, sounds amazing. Just incredible lighting for your portraits. So until recently, there wasn't a good option, and this is a fantastic option. It's just a little bit pricey. So have you ever tried, because um, often if I'm trying to do uh, an iPhone or a smartphone portrait inside and it's dark and I don't want to use the flash, I know that everyone in the room has a smartphone, so I just get them to um, hold up their phones and turn, turn their torches on and they light the shot for me that way. Have you ever tried That's that? That's a great idea. That's a great idea. It, and it what you do works. is you just get like, um, uh, if, you've got, if you're in a restaurant and you, there's, um, you know, table napkins, serviettes on the table, like those white or paper bags, you put those in front of the the torch so it softens and diffuses the light. And if you've got a few of those on a group of people, it actually makes a lovely a lovely light because everyone has them. It's a great idea diffusing it, yeah. Like I haven't tried that myself, but it sounds like it should definitely work. Well, there you go. Is that going in your next course? Are you going to credit me for that one? <laughs> <laughs> Call it, name it the Gina Militia Light. <laughs> but no, yeah. that's a, you may as well because everyone's got them in the room. So, you know, it's just another way. But I'm very keen to have a look at this uh, Pro Photo Flash because I think that's what's missing. That's the missing link at the moment with like you can't light uh, portraits uh, properly at, at the moment. So if we can get that one, then that would be uh, fantastic. So just a couple more questions uh, regarding apps. Um, uh, is there a, an editing app that you uh, would recommend and do you use any external camera apps? Okay, so about editing apps, uh, my favorite is still Snapseed. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, it's, it's a free app. Yeah. Uh, it's made by Google. Uh, yeah. And it's available both for Android and for uh, iPhones, both tablets and iPads and smartphones. So it's it's a very universal tool in that sense, and and it's just a it's just a fantastic tool overall. It's uh, it's, it's still my favorite to this day. And uh, the cool thing about Snapseed is that you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. Mm. If you're just starting out, uh, the place where you want to start exploring is a module called Tune Image, and in that you just have maybe six or seven sliders. And if you learn to work those six or seven sliders, that alone will be the difference between okay and great looking photos. It's just a matter of learning how to use them correctly and not overdoing them. That's the most important <laughs> yeah. part. Don't, don't overdo them. And it's really and, intuitive and, too, Snapseed. And and yeah. if, you, if you enjoy Snapseed, it's a very easy uh, next step to get into something like Lightroom or Camera Raw because they're very similar in terms of yeah. the interface and the slider. And I, yeah, I totally recommend Snapseed. But, but it's but my favorite. But here's the cool thing about Snapseed. It's, uh, it starts out easy and, and it is, and you can keep it easy forever but are just layers and layers of extra options that aren't immediately obvious. Uh, you know, you can do, uh, there are all these ways you can do selective adjusts. Yeah. And in editing, uh, if you want to go from, 
you know, from good edits to great edits, uh, you really have to start adjusting different parts of the images individually rather than the entire image. And in Snapseed, there are multiple ways you can do that. Uh, so there's the selective adjust tool in Snapseed, uh, which allows you to pinpoint a specific color, and then you can only affect parts of the image that are in that specific color, uh, which is great if you want to, let's say, just change the blue sky, for example, or if you have an orange tree with fall colors, you want to make that orange pop out more. Uh, that's how you can do it. Then you have brushes, so you can literally apply effects using brushes, and whatever you do in Snapseed can actually be applied as a mask. So this is kind of hidden. Uh, there's a little icon in the top right-hand corner uh, that allows you to sort of see the edit history, and uh, any edits whatsoever that you do in Snapseed, you can apply any one of these edits as a, as a mask. So let's say you might create an edit that makes the sky in your image look really, really great, but then the foreground is kind of messed up because you just sort of optimized it for the sky. Right. Well, no problem. You go into that masking section uh, and you just highlight the sky part of the image, and then you do the same again just for the foreground. And that way, you can uh, essentially apply a separate edit to the sky and to the foreground. So there's that. Also, in Snapseed, all the edits are they're non-destructive. So if you save an image to the Photos app from Snapseed, you can later open it from the Photos app in Snapseed again, and you can literally a year later see everything you did in what order, with what adjustment values, and change anything you want. And uh, yeah, you can also save edits in Snapseed to create essentially custom looks that you'll apply to many photos, or you can copy-paste edits. There are like so many hidden options oh, is there. Is it like a preset? You can save a preset in, you, in you Snapseed? Can, it's not, I think it's not called a preset, but it is but a it's, preset. It's so like it, that, right. So you can rename it, it and say, like, this is my funky blue sky edit, and you can exactly. apply that to another photo? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and there are, there are just so many hidden options like this. Uh, so one of my courses is called iPhone Editing Academy, and and that course mostly covers Snapseed. And you'd think like, why would Snapseed need a course, right? <laughs> but 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 it does need a course, and it's uh, it's such a fantastic, such a powerful tool. Uh, and there are just layers and layers of sort of hidden features that you can uncover. Uh, uh, so there are the obvious features, which are great, and then there's just so much more hidden inside Snapseed, and and that's why I like it so much. Fantastic. There's so much great content there today, Emil. Thanks so much for chatting. Um, so where can people find all these uh, things? So you've got all the like you've got a lot of uh, free training available on um, YouTube, and you've also got uh, I think you've got a, a regular blog, uh, and then yes. you've got the iPhone School and the Academy. So what what what? Where can people find those? And I'll put all these links in the show notes as uh -huh. well. So the two best places that come to mind are, uh, number one, the free uh, blog, which is iPhonePhotographySchool.com, and that's where we essentially uh, just post free articles about various things related to iPhone photography, and there's a lot of great stuff out there, uh, so that's definitely a, a good place to check out. And in terms of the online courses, uh, if you want a more structured curriculum that takes you step-by-step -step through everything the iPhone camera can do, and if you want to learn... Uh, in a visual way uh, from videos, not just from blog posts. And if you want to see it all explained neatly step by step in a way that saves you time and that just makes it easy to understand things, then I'd recommend checking out the iPhone Photo Academy course. So that's our most popular course. Uh, it essentially covers everything there's to know about taking uh, beautiful high quality photos with the iPhone. 
uh, a lot of the techniques we talked about today are in that course as long as well as many other things we didn't get a chance to talk about mm. and for that uh, there's actually a big discount for uh, people listening to this podcast so you can go to iphonephotographyschool.com slash discount and that'll take you to the discount page fantastic and you're a great teacher like you really you go through and you explain things um in a in a in a really beautiful and detailed manner and so it's easy to keep up and everything's easy to understand you've got fantastic examples um i highly recommend the course and i don't get any money for if you sell the courses or not (laughs) i just wanted to point that out that you know if you see someone who teaches well um i think it's I think you'd get a lot out of it if any if anyone's listening. So thanks for today. I, I learned so much, and now I'm I'm googling um, <laughs> off camera flashes for my iPhone, and it's going to cost me money because now I want the next um, the next iPhone. I want the 11 now. So um. and it's worth getting it, and especially with with the three lenses. That, that's just another little cool oh, thing that adds so much uh, so much flexibility uh, to to how you frame and compose and. Uh, like my favorite is actually the sort of the one X or the standard lens and the telephoto, but the super wide can also become handy. Uh, but what, what's, I think what's very important for people to realize is that these different lenses, they don't just make you get closer or further away. They also change the perspective yeah. of the, the so angle of we view. Were in the mountains, yeah. We always wanted to create the sense that, you know, we have a foreground subject, let's say a beautiful village or a church, but we wanted those mountains in the background to just loom large over the church or whatever the subject was. And you can only get that with the telephoto lens yeah. because it totally compresses the mountain. It makes the mountain appear much bigger compared to whatever you have in the foreground. And if you're shooting in the mountains or or any kind of landscape where you want that background to become more prominent and bigger, then you absolutely need a telephoto lens. Uh, will you share some of those uh, Dolomite images uh, in, in the show notes or you're not allowed to share those yet till the course comes I'd, out? I'd love to, but uh, but some of them uh, not uh, I was actually produced. No, <laughs> I, I'm allowed to share them all. It's, it's okay, but I was actually a producer of this course. So uh, we're working with, with a really fantastic photographer. His yeah. name is Clifford. It, oh, you didn't take has... them. Oh, fair enough. I, I took some of them. Uh, I, I can share some of those and some of my own, and, and then you can put whatever whatever works in the show notes. That'd be great. That'd be great. I'm really keen to see them. Um, Emil, thank you so much. This has been amazing, and uh, I think uh, I'd love to have you back on uh, down the track to talk about whatever else that's fantastic that's happening with these smartphones. I'd so love to. Thank it's you. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. <sighs> Some great tips there with Emil's. Um, and also, if you want to have a look at some of his photography that has been taken on a smartphone, then definitely go have a look at the show notes, which are over at GinaMilitia.com. Really awesome stuff here in just, just you know, some of them are jaw-dropping. So um, I know that my smartphone pictures aren't this great. <laughs> so Pretty amazing, I'm eh? going to put some of these uh, um, tips into action. Fantastic. Yeah, so all the links all right. there are to, to, to go and check out more of his work and uh, any of the products yeah. that he talked about all in the show notes. So, Val. Uh, yes. As uh, sorry, Gazzy's digging a hole in the floorboards now. Okay, so you know Gazzy how, yeah. is Gary, who yeah. is Gina's dog, uh, like a Shih Tzu cross Maltese. Something. Yeah. So do you know Maltese. how they uh, to to go to sleep? They they get themselves yes, comfortable. Yes. Do the little. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's doing that, but on floorboards. Mm. 
Aussie slang word, Val. Oh, Aussie slang of the week. Yeah. What's Aussie slang of the week, Gina? So this week, the word is yes. knackered. Okay. Okay, and knackered. Knackered. Yes. Uh, I'm knackered. Knackered, which means uh, worn out or exhausted. So we'll put in a sentence, yes. I went for a 5K run, I'm knackered. Or yes. I just did a 12-hour photo shoot, I'm knackered. And um, <laughs> just, uh, just to be careful, this is mm. not to be confused with knackers. Which, which is a is word what? for something else entirely. Do you know that slang word, Val? No. <laughs> but clearly I'm too innocent. <laughs> so, um, Why, Gina? What does knackers So mean? knackers is a slang word for a part of the male anatomy. Uh, so uh, maracas, um, uh, uh, ghoulies, uh, two other words. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so we don't want to get those mixed up. So, if you want to no. say you're tired, not yep. don't say I'm knackers. You say I'm no. knackered. I'm knackered. knackered. I'm really knackered. Yep. Did a big, did a big shoot. I'm really knackered. Yeah, I love it. Mm. Okay, so make sure you attempt to use that this week. <laughs> either one. <laughs> yeah, either one, I guess. And let us know the context in which you used it or put it in the Facebook group. Of course, we invite all listeners to join the Facebook group. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer on Facebook and request to join. It's free to join and we'd love to have you in there. There's so many awesome people from all over the world. So we've come to the end of this week's episode. Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. Come and say hello. If you want to send me, if you don't like social media, send me an email, news at ginamilitia.com. If you've got any questions or anything you want to talk about on the podcast, send me an email. I do reply or just say hi on social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level and you want to have your own personal mentor, then um, think about joining the Goal community. Uh, Lots of fantastic photographers from all over the world at all different levels. So we've got absolute beginners to working professionals in there and uh, that's the place to be. You can find that at genomilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 